Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Good morning, lovely listeners. It's a beautiful morning when I'm recording this. I have the most wonderful guest, my friend and colleague, Dr. Kate Grigorovic, who is a specialist in women and ageing well. And we have a topic that is dear again to both of our hearts, and we are looking forward to chatting about that and sharing our info with you this morning as well. Kate, how are you this morning? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. I'm very well. I actually had a beautiful sleep last night and that always puts me in a good frame of mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of my sleep routine. Yeah. It's tricky. It's been something that's taken me a little while because I have been one of those people that probably hasn't valued sleep enough and put it at the, it's the thing you do at the end of the day when you've had all the other jobs done and then had your time watching telly. And so, you know, five or six hours is enough, but I know that's not true. But anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. I could bang on about sleep all day, but I would like to talk about, I mean, you're a geriatrician, so you're a specialist in ageing. Tell us a little bit about that, actually, because I don't know that even lots of people understand. I mean, I think that probably some people think that, you know, being a geriatrician is, you know, that you just know about geriatrics. And, and what exactly even that is. So maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about your specialty and, and what it means for you. So my specialty, I think, is the only specialty that was founded by a radical woman. Oh. Yeah, back in around the 1930s, a British surgeon was handed a ward of rehabilitation patients and she looked at them all lying in bed and thought, well, why aren't we getting people moving? And even more radically, she said we should be asking people what matters to them, find helping them find motivation to get up and going again. And so that was really the genesis of geriatrics. And so my specialty is around managing older adults. It's around managing complexity. But increasingly, a lot of the work I do is also helping people understand lifestyle strategies to age well. And a lot of the people I see they do have their diseases that started a few decades ago. And so helping people understand lifestyle strategies they can put in place is something I'm really passionate about. Wonderful. I think you're right. I mean, Australia has a tsunami of chronic disease coming its way. And, you know, there's lots of discussion about how we're going to fund it and whether, you know, there is the potential that, you know, could bankrupt Medicare if we don't do something about it. But, doing something about it actually starts well and truly before you're into your very old age, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's, it's pretty inspiring to meet people in their 80s and 90s that actually are enjoying a really healthy older age. And so I get to learn from all those people and apply that to my own life. But it is a concerning thing, what's going to happen in the future in terms of population health. And, you know, it's an absolute triumph of public health and medical science that most of us are going to reach very old age. You know, it's this wonderful, wonderful achievement, the first time it's really happened in human history. But it is a bit concerning, and particularly when you look at health behaviours in midlife at the moment. And we're seeing a lot of evidence, you know, particularly women, that women who have high caring responsibilities struggle to exercise, struggle to get nutritious food. And 
now we're seeing really high rates of overweight and obesity in this group, which, you know, wasn't there for the people who are currently in their 80s when they were in their 30s. And I'm concerned what this means for the functional implications because it's not enough to live a long life. You want to live a long and healthy, active life. Totally. And this is, I say this to lots of people, medicine has now developed developed lots of medications. We are now very good at keeping people alive for long periods of time. But sometimes that quality of life isn't always there. And that actually begins much earlier on to develop those, I guess, I don't know, habits and strategies to, so that you're not doing, you're not just living long, you're living well and strong. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Health span, not just lifespan. Correct. Now, one of the things that is, uh, concerns me a lot and, you know, I have potential to jump on a, a rant about it is the glorification, I guess, of youth. And that's the idea that getting old or older is so abhorrent that we must hang on to youth at all costs. Tell me what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I find it really problematic. You know, when you look walking down the street, you can see people at different ages. You can tell by looking at them. But anything to do with being older automatically becomes an insult. Sometimes I go and see patients and I say, I'm a geriatrician, and they'll say, oh, you know, they'll think it's hilarious or, you know, oh, I'm getting old. But any term you use to replace my job title, people would start to have negative associations because we've got these really negative preconceptions about what getting older is, negative preconceptions that aren't based in the reality of getting older. Totally. And in fact, we use it all the time in our common vernacular of things like, oh, stop being such an old woman. You know, old woman is an insult. It's not, society's not even talking about this. So you can see why it's not even going to change anytime soon. But yeah, the idea that stop being such an old woman, it's like, really? Like, it, what, where does that come from? Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's horrible. You know, the older I get, the white, the smarter I get. And, you know, when I think back to myself in my 20s, I think I'm much more um, sensible and much got much better ideas than I did back then. And, you know, getting old is a fantastic thing. And I think we've got all these ideas that you can't learn when you get older. You're not able to be embrace new ideas. And, you know, this just isn't true. While we're living, we're still able to learn. And, you know, you, there's some fantastic examples of people who actually become more radical as they get older. You know, David Attenborough is a fantastic example of that. And he's well into his 90s and he's become an environmental activist. Yes, that is a fantastic example. I love that. And I think um, in some cultures, being older, you're considered an elder. There's respect and understanding and wisdom, but not in our, not in Western culture. It's like as soon as you get a bit old, and particularly for a woman, then you're past your use-by date, that somehow you're no longer useful. And it bloody blows my mind because I look and think, you know, even like so I think it's Joe Biden is 73, I think. 78. Uh, 78. Mm. So he's in his late 70s and he's the president of, you know, the most powerful country in the world. 
Can you imagine, as, as a 70-year-old year old woman, most people are calling her an old woman. Oh, God, she's just an old woman. It's so disrespectful to all of the wisdom and experience that they have. Yeah, it's disrespectful and dismissive. And what's really scary is that women start to experience this at even a younger ages. And so women in their 40s start to be seen as less capable which is just insane because for a lot of women in their 40s, you know, a lot of women take time out of their career in their 30s because they've got young children. Then they come back in their 40s. But if they haven't followed a straight career trajectory, gotten to a certain level, they start to experience workplace discrimination. And so Australia is losing this huge amount of skill. Yep. And I think it's just interestingly in our society, it's pervasive and the one phrase that is a big trigger for me is this phrase anti-aging. We see it everywhere. What are your thoughts on it? So anti-aging, it's this discrimination against your future self. It really makes no sense at all. And the thing is it's, it actually has biological effects. There's been some studies out of Yale and a woman there looked at people's perceptions of aging and people who had the most negative perceptions had high risk of things like dementia and it seems to be mediated by inflammation so if you feel like your whole life is going downhill things are only getting worse as you get older you then activate your stress systems seem to have your body on higher alert and perpetuates damage so it's actually doing us physical harm if we have negative perceptions for what's going to happen as we get older yes and the thing is, we are all aging. The only way to actually stop aging is to die. And we don't want to do that. So we're left in this situation where we don't want to die, but we don't want to age. So what, what is that? Like, that's just nuts. And so we're trying to kind of keep getting this youth because we fear aging. And I think there's a double sort of reason for that. One is that particularly for women, an older woman is considered unattractive, unsmart, not valuable, can't sell anything, not commodifiable. And then there's the other aspect, I guess, that people fear getting old and losing their independence and developing chronic disease. So I suspect they're the kind of two drivers of why we're now embracing this anti-aging with crazy things like buckets of cosmetic surgery and buckets of Botox and all of those sorts of things in a quest to appear young. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I would never judge anybody for what they want to do to their face and for getting Botox. And, you know, I haven't had Botox myself. I don't think I will, but I can totally understand because our competence is seemed to be linked with our youthful appearance. But I've seen some really interesting studies on Botox that our facial expressions aren't just a way of communicating with others. They're a way of helping us feel what people are feeling. When we're talking to someone, we mirror their expressions. So if someone's had Botox and they can't do that, are you blunting your own emotional response? You know, are you blunting your empathy? And, you know, it's such a key part of communication as well. And especially now at work, I'm wearing a face mask all the time and I'm not sure that will ever change. And I have to give people some really bad news sometimes. And so I really rely on my facial expression around my eyes to convey my empathy. Yes. 
Yes. And I think it's interesting that humans, we don't talk a lot about the fact that humans are connected. We understand that like if you use a remote control, somehow that turns on the telly. We just accept that, that there's some communication between the remote control and the telly and we can't see it, but we know it's there. We understand that birds can live in a flock and somehow they all fly together and they don't crash into each other. Humans, there's a connection between us that we don't talk a lot about, but it's there. And the mirror neuron thing that you mentioned is the key and we're not talking about it. We do it all the time. It's how we connect and why social connection is so important. And you're right, if you're changing your facial expressions in particular, then what happens? How does our society do that? It's so fascinating and it's really interesting. So a lot of my listeners know that I have muscular dystrophy. So I have FSHD, which is can affect your facial muscles. I'm really lucky. Mine are very minimally affected because for a lot of people, they lose their ability to smile. And you can imagine their life when they really can't smile like people are often saying to them stop being so miserable you just need to smile in there <laughs> they're thinking I am so our definitely our facial expressions are beautiful and you know it would be lovely to be embracing them and not be fearful that we're going to be judged as women because our facial expressions give us some some crow's eyes I think that's what they were called originally, some wrinkles around your eyes. Exactly. I do love my skincare. I am very careful with sunscreen, you know. I use a retinol, but I guess it's that, you know, compromise. And also, you know, women already have, there's already a gender peg up. Women already earn less money than men. Then we're expected to spend so much money on maintaining our appearance. And for things like Botox and fillers, it really adds up. It just further financially penalises women. Yep. Yes, I've just started my skincare regime because I've never been particularly diligent. But I do love the phrase skincare because it's part of self-care and self an ability to spend a bit of time on yourself just by taking your makeup off at the end of the day if you wear makeup, putting some moisturiser on. I have one of those roller things that I just roll over and I actually feel good doing it. It's not a, something that you know, it's, again, just I guess the way you think about things, isn't it? Yeah, 100%, yeah. And, yeah, I, I'm the same. I enjoy my nightly wind down and, you know, putting my moisturisers on. But I guess it's where that line crosses. And, you know, I'm conscious that I already spend the money on my eyebrows, I spend money on my hair, and when does that become a burden? And I guess it can, has the potential to further penalise women who don't have a lot of financial resources because, Again, you're creating this haves and have-nots. And when women are seen as more competent by looking younger, then this makes it even more difficult for women who've got limited financial means. Yes, yes. And and then they become just more marginalised yet again. So it's really interesting. I was in a... um, a Facebook group at one stage and for a lot of, you know, most of you know that I'm, I'm in some low-carb groups and groups around weight loss. And one woman had mentioned that, um, you know, she was looking for something. So she'd lost significant amount of fat, which was great, um, but she now had some loose skin. And she then mentioned that she had crepey arms and that she's 53, so she probably just needs to cover up her arms. And I just... I felt a little bit sad because I thought, 
Uh, you're 53. Yes, 53-year-old skin does not look like 20-year-old skin. We know that. But there's no need to hide it either. No, exactly. And it's so unfair that women have to think this way and that burden. And, you know, I think that body positivity needs to extend not just to more sizes but also to more ages. I have loved seeing recently a couple of companies, Country Road and Camilla and Mark, have used older models which, and let's face it, often women in their, some women in their 60s do have the financial resources to spend a bit on clothes. And I think it's fantastic to see that, you know, people can still look great. People can still enjoy clothes. And I hate this idea that you can't wear certain things if you don't fit in this really narrow ideal of beauty. And if it's a hot day and someone wants to get their arms out, they, you know, it'd be fantastic if you lived in a society where everyone felt comfortable to do it. Yes, yes. And this is the whole stop. Yeah, we need to stop judging. Again, I often say we're we're conditioned to judge because again, that's what marketing does to us. It it commodifies women's bodies. And if we as individuals can stop judging other women in particular and stop judging ourselves, then we can start the groundswell away from it. Exactly, exactly. And you know, really. Anti-aging is just a way to sell more things to women. And so, you know, as I said, never judge anyone for what they do, but if you've got the money for Botox, perhaps, you know, you could also use it to go on a holiday. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and you're right. I mean, I'm out, well, I was about to say men aren't getting, they're not getting bombarded, but having said that, I do know that there are some men who do get Botox and things like that. But in general, as a man ages, he's often called distinguished and a woman is called haggy, you know, or an old bag. Oh, she's just an old bag. He's distinguished. And again, it just changing our language around that is that as women age, we, we become wiser, we are smarter, we are more compassionate, we are kinder. We're just friggin' glorious is what we are. Absolutely. I'm definitely enjoying the wisdom that's coming with age. I'm looking forward to getting older and looking forward to smashing some of those stereotypes. Good, good. And calling out people who use those negative words. Excellent. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a campaign coming on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wonderful. Kate, it has been a delight again. I feel very passionate about our uh, things that we're aligned with and it's just terrific to find another doctor who's also about not just giving lip service to empowering women because that's a you know that's very topical but actually coming up with some strategies and recognizing that you know we are glorious beings thanks it's been a great chat (laughs) good all right see you again darling all right lovely listeners i will be back next week and we will talk further then have a wonderful week and we will see you soon bye for now So my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.